Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 92. Psalms 92, and we'll get there in a moment. Hallelujah. That is so good. Hallelujah. Man. Love, love you, Tony. You're a good man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I want to encourage you, Tony, that, that this year, this next year, you're going to step into some new things. And uh, you've had a lot of questions on, well, I can't communicate like them, or I can't preach like them, or I might not be able to talk that way, and, or, or, or do that. How do they do that? But are you going to step into a whole other arena as it pertains to communicating? And the Lord told me to tell you this, get out of your head and flow out of your heart. He's rewarding your faithfulness. It's abounding with blessing. And what I see on the inside of me, it's the gifts. It's not the not not necessarily financial, it's the gifts are going to be abounding this year. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 2017, the faithful shall flourish. And it shall be like days of heaven on earth. Amen. Amen. Say that with me. The faithful faithful shall flourish. flourish. And it shall be be like days of heaven on earth. earth. And we've defined that throughout this year. What does flourish mean? It means to thrive, to increase, to enlarge, to grow, to be prosperous, to abound, to spread out, to expand, to make steady progress, and to be at a high point in one's life. Amen. Does that sound good to you? How about you? But I'm flourishing. I'm coming up higher in my life. How about you? Never going back. See, God's a God of progression. Amen. It says he he takes us from glory to glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I declare that you're flourishing. You are flourishing. Make make that personal. Say, just, just, just close your eyes for a moment and just say, I'm flourishing. Say, I'm flourishing. I'm increasing. I'm abounding. I'm making steady progress. Hallelujah. Get a hold of that. What does that look like in your life? Amen. What does that look like in your life? Hallelujah. Let's look here in Psalm 92. I'm going to begin a new series this morning. And it's called Be Planted. Be Planted. I want to read the scripture to you in Psalms 92. And, uh, you know, we've been really talking about this all year long. I have been really since last uh, October. My aspect, Dr. Svell has been preaching it all over the world, but different aspects of it. But uh, I had on my heart to this the series, and, and so we're just going to go on a journey this morning. So let's look at this, Psalms 92, verse 12. It says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Who's the righteous? Amen. Amen. Remember, we're, our position is in righteousness. Amen shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Let me say it again. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Say that with with me. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Those that be planted. 
Now, this word planted in the Hebrew is actually not to plant as necessarily as a seed. But this word planted in the Hebrew actually means to be transplanted. And, and what does that mean? That means that, that I must have been planted. If so, you're transplanting something, John, what are you doing? You're taking it from one soil and you're placing it in another soil. So, so this necessarily isn't referring necessarily to sowing a particular seed, although it has to do with that. But this talks about being transplanted. If you look up in the message and, and different translations, you look at the Strong's, it's going to tell you that word is transplanted. So those that be transplanted... In the house of the Lord shall flourish. So what is it saying there? Those that have been transplanted. You know, I'm so grateful that I transplanted into a new system. I'm so grateful that I transplanted out of a world system, out of the system of this world, and planted myself and transplanted myself into the house of the Lord. Amen. Are you glad that you've been transplanted into a new system? You know, John the Baptist declared, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he wasn't necessarily referring to all of a sudden asking forgive, forgiveness of your sins. He was really talking about, hey, you get a new mindset. Hey, there's a new system coming. There's a new way of doing things. So those that be transplanted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord. Whose house is it? Don't be timid on me. Whose house is it? It's the Lord's house. Those that are transplanted into the Lord's house. Now, as I talk about this morning and through this series, we, we may talk about the, the church and being planted in the church. But, but the, the being planted in the house of the Lord is beyond just these four walls, right? It's being planted into a kingdom. It's being planted into the way the Father does things and the way the, the Father goes about doing things. Right, Vic? Those that be transplanted, those that are planted in the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord. What, what can we find in the, in, in the Father's house? What, what can we find in, in, in the Lord's house? What, what can we call the Father? It's His dwelling place, Stuart. It's where the Father lives. It's where the, the Father uh, goes about. It's where the Father dwells. Be planted where the Father dwells. They'll flourish. The Father. You know, last week when Dr. Savell and Dr. Duplantis ministered and they talked about turning up the heat. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. Turning up the heat. You know, you're, you're, as, you're as hot as you want to be. I love that. So you're as hot as you want to be. Meaning, meaning the closer, we just sing that song closer, the closer that you want to be. You, you see, we, we need to be close to the Father. We need to be close to the Father. You see, because when you're close to the Father, everything He has and everything He is gets off on you. You know, we think about the Father. The Father. We think about being the, the fire. You know, when, when it talked about Jesus coming and what was he doing? He's going to baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. So Jesus was going to take what was in heaven and now he's going to bring it down to you and I, right? So he was going to take what was the father's and give it to us. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to take what's, what's of the father and I'm going to reveal it unto you, right? His, his fire. What? What about this fire? 
Throughout the word, we see his word is like fire. His word is like fire. Jesus was talking to the disciples on the, on, on the road. And, 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 and when they left, he said, when they said, didn't our hearts, what, burn within us? Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, he says, he goes, I, I, I don't want to mention him. I don't want to mention his name, but, but I, I, I can't contain it. Because his fire is like a, like his, his word is like a fire shut up in my bones and I can't contain it. I mean, I don't want to mention it, but, but you know what? I, 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 I've already tasted him. I've already got to know him. I've already got close to him. And because of my close to him, I, I, it's like something on the inside of me. It's like a fire on the inside of me. Jeremiah 23 he says, he goes, God's talking, he says, my word is a fire. And he says, it's a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. Wow. Think about that. You like that, CJ? He says, my word is like a fire. And it breaks, it's, like it, it, it's, it, it's like a hammer and it breaks rocks in pieces. Wow. His word. See, his word on the inside of you. This is not just a religious book, but when you look at this book and you allow God to quicken this word to you, it's like a fire on the inside of you. So his word brings about fire. How about his presence? Hebrews, it says that he is a consuming fire. We see, we see his, his presence described like fire. He says he's like fire from the, from the loins up and, and the loins down. He's like a fire. Man, those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. His presence is like a fire. Second Chronicles chapter 7, you need to turn there, verse 1. It says, when Solomon finished praying, he said the fire came down and consumed the sacrifice. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. So his word's like a fire. His presence is like a fire. Hallelujah. You're like, what does that have to do with being planted? Everything. Because it's being planted in the house of the Lord. His, his fire, his presence, and being planted in his house is not about a feeling, Vic. Uh, it's, so, it's so great when we do feel his presence. But it's not to say, oh man, didn't we feel him today? If that's really where it's at, then we're really missing what his presence is really about for our lives. Because, because it's really being in his presence or being in his word. It's not about what we feel in here, but it's about the changes that happen out here. Like I said, I'm grateful that, that we sense his presence or know his presence or we, can, we, can, we, we know that he's in the room. I'm so grateful for those times. But, but the thing is, John, we can't, we can't relegate he's here not based on that. We have to base it on the word. 
And, and his presence doesn't show up in your life. His fire doesn't show up in your life. The Holy Ghost didn't show up in the book of Acts just, just to say, hey, God's here. We felt him. No, it was for them to get up changed. It was for them to get up different. It was for them to pursue something in their life, to pursue his destiny and prefer, per, pursue his work for their lives. You see, God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And he wants to draw you into a deeper relationship with him because he has something on the inside of you that he wants the rest of the world to get a hold of. The work that God has begun in you, he wants that same work to be done in someone else's life. So his fire, his word or his presence is down on the inside of you to become a reality to you so you can be changed from the inside out. So you can go from glory to glory and faith to faith. You know, Romans 14, verse 17, he says, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. Meaning it's not meat or drink, meaning it's not something natural. It's not something that's that's temporary. But he said it's what? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So God's saying, my kingdom coming isn't about anything natural here. He goes, my kingdom coming is about you being changed. My kingdom coming is not so you can just add Jesus to your life and stay the same the rest of your life. No, it's about my presence coming into your life so you never be the same again. I'm so grateful that I, that I am not the same person I was. In 1993, when I... Accepted Jesus into my life. I'm so grateful. Let's look at uh, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 3. Verse 1 says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire. Get that. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not here, put off thy shoes from off your feet, for the place whereon thou stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob and Moses. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I thank you, Father, for... For just causing us to grow to another level in our walk with you. As we get a hold of being planted in your house. In Jesus name. Amen. You see being planted in this series. Has everything to do with fulfilling God's plan for your life. It's about fulfilling his path. 
that he has for you. You see, with Moses, Moses was on a path. Moses was on a journey. But what happened? There was a fiery bush. That all of a sudden, as Moses is going about his life, there's something that gets his attention. And it's a bush that was on fire, but yet did not burn. You know, I, I want to tell you a little bit about me this morning and, and get to know me and kind of how I got to where I am today. Because, because I had, I never, never was at a, a point in my life where I actually saw a burning bush. Have you seen a burning bush? Any of you seen a burning bush? I mean, come on, Sarah, you work with plants. I mean, I mean, come on, you've got to have seen a burning bush. You, you wish you saw a burning bush? I mean, we were in the mountains of California. We saw a lot of burning trees, but I don't think God was in any of them. Um, you know, and, uh, but, but for me, when I talk about burning bush, I, I, I want to talk about the fact that moments in your life where you know God was drawing you into something, that you know God was speaking to you about something, that you know something that, that God was doing something, that God was, was making himself real to you, but yet you, you didn't really know what it meant or you didn't really know how to go about what's the next step. Have you been there? I, I remember, I, and I, I forgot about this, but I remember I, I was probably eight or nine years of age and I grew up in Church of God and and I, I remember being, uh, being like I said, eight or nine, and, and we had this group that would come to our church every year, and it was called, they were called Festival of Praise. And they were, they were this group of traveling young people. Um, this was in the 70s, and they were traveling young people that would go from church to church to church, and they would, they would uh, stay in people's homes, host homes, and they would put on events, three-day meetings, and mainly it was all geared around either acting or, or singing. And it was just a great group. And every year, we hosted some people from this group, and, and I remember remember every year that they would come, we hosted this one particular young lady. And, and, and you might know this lady from TBN, um, but her name was Karen Wheaton. And, and uh, used to lead worship for Benny Hinn and, and, and different things. And, and now th- I think she's over a thing called The Ramp uh, out of Tennessee or, or whatever. But, but anyway, uh, you know, she, was, she was just a, a teenage girl at that time. Or we were probably late teens, early 20s. And, and, I, and I remember you know, being at a particular service and I'm sitting there uh, towards, the, towards the back. And, and uh, you know, kind of back kind of where maybe Joey's sitting. And, and I'm sitting with my parents. And I, I forgot about this, but a little reminded me this morning. And I remember that this lady, Karen, uh, I don't remember her maiden name, but Karen Wheaton, actually walked down the aisle and pulled me up to the front. And she sang a song over me. And all, I don't remember the song. All I remember is, is feeling something in here that I couldn't describe as an eight or a nine-year-old. And there was something here, and, and the, the song she wasn't singing was, it wasn't a sad song or anything like that, but I couldn't help but cry. And be, why? Because, because God was touching my life, and, and, and I didn't know it at the time, but, but, but we've had those moments, but wait, we couldn't really label them, but, but it was really a burning bush that God wanted to speak to us through that. You mean speak to an eight or a nine-year-old? Yes. I didn't know what to do with it. A couple years later, I probably, probably 10, 10 or 11, 
I, I remember going to, and some of you might have heard this story before, but uh, I was going to what we had in Church of God. We had camp meetings every year, and, and it was this big, long building like the size, I think, of two football fields, and it was like a metal roof, and it was open on the sides. And in Maryland, my wife will tell you, like people will say, you come from Maryland. Man, isn't it a lot colder up there? Not in the summertime. I mean, we, we, and Andy, they didn't realize how hot Maryland was. It's only in the summertime, it's only about a five degree difference from here. And it's about, but it's the, the, the humidity is about a hundred percent more. It will take your breath away. And we would have these, these camp meetings and, and, and we would go every year, we'd, we'd get on the bus and it was in Delaware. So we would, we would get on the bus and we would drive, drive, um, the, the church bus and we would drive all the way to, to this, uh, this town. And um, I think it was I think it was Milford, Milford, Delaware, and 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 so we would go to that town, and they it was out in the middle of nowhere. This all of a sudden you're driving, and there's there there's dairy farms, chicken farms, and all of a sudden there's this building in the middle of nowhere. It's where we had Church of God camp meeting. T.L. Lowry would come often, and and and, and just different ones, and and that were well known in the Church of God circles, and 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 it was one particular year. I, I at this time I didn't really care about God. I was more I was more in. I just wanted to do sports. I just wanted to play sports. I care less about God. And I remember they they had uh, they had all the kids come up, and I think I was probably half asleep, and my mom probably woke me up and said they, they just called for all the kids to to come up front, and I probably just stumbled down there. Okay, but I remember getting down there. And, and I, I'm staying there, my back's too, I'm on the altar and, you know, in Church of God churches, all the carpets were red across the front there. And, and, you know, that's what the altar was. It was red. It was, I don't know what it meant, but it was red. And, and, and so, so anyway, I remember a, a lady on this side and a man on this side placed their hands on my shoulder. And, and I remember the lady saying to the man saying, he's going to preach the gospel. And in my mind, I'm, I'm saying, no, I'm not. No, you've got the wrong person. But as they continue to have their hands on me, and I'm saying, no, I'm not, I feel that same feeling down on the inside of me, and, and I start to cry. And I'm like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, not. <laughs> Did it change me? No. I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> 10, 11-year-old, no one, I didn't know what to do with what God's doing. How, how, how can I tell God's working in my life? I don't know how to, how, to, how to tell that. Probably now, probably 13, 14 years of age, back at Church of God again. We had, we had a revival meeting. And, uh, and they had all the, all the young people come up. This time they want us to get in a circle because they want us all to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And speaking other tongues, I'm like, I'm like, you know, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> what you talking about? <laughs> you know, and 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 I'm standing there, and you know, it, but I see the thing is, is I knew it was real. I just didn't, I just didn't know what to do with it. And so we're all standing here in a circle, and my, I have friends, and we're all in a circle, and Scott's across from me, and and the guy, the revival guy, was in the middle of us, and he's just laying hands on people, nothing extreme. He's not screaming. He's just saying. Receive the Holy Spirit. And, and all of a sudden, I look at Scott. And all of a sudden, he starts praying in tongues. And I'm going, oh, wow. But all of a sudden, I could feel that same feeling down on the inside of me. It was kind of like hot butterflies. That's all I could. That's all I, you know, as a kid. It's, all, it's just hot butterflies are going on. It's like, 
Something's here, and it's almost like something just wants to come out. And I'm, I'm, I'm standing there, I'm going, okay, all right. I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I have friends. I brought friends. There's friends here. There's friends here. And, and I'm going, and the guy goes to lay hands on me, and I'm going, mm, 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 mm. And I'm like, I will not. I will not pray in tongues. I will not. You know what I didn't? He's a gentleman. But yet, but that same feeling. It was the same thing. I'm crying. But I'm not wanting it. (laughs) After that point in my life, my life regressed in so many ways. Got addicted to things I shouldn't have been addicted to. Was exposed to things I probably would never have been exposed to. Opened myself up to things didn't want to. I believe, I believe God that day was trying to empower my life to assist me in my future, but I didn't understand it. But yet it was another aspect of a burning bush in my experience that I knew it was God. And I knew he was leading me in a pathway and a direction for my life, but in the natural, I didn't really want it. And so because of that, I said, I opened myself up to so many things. I don't have time to tell you. Some of you have heard some of the stories. But let me take it up now. I was 17 years of age, graduated high school, and uh, my parents started going to a new church. It was a Word of Faith church. It was an hour away, and, and I didn't mind that too much because now I had an excuse. I can't go to church because I'm working, and I, I can't drive an hour away, you know, and, and so, and so I, I wouldn't go to church. Like I said, my life continued to progress in the wrong direction. And finally, my mom asked me, said, do you want to come to this meeting? There's this, this meeting. We have this guy here. His name's Tim. And, and you know, all he does, he plays the piano. And he, he plays the piano and he sings just out of his heart. And my mom said, it's really neat. It's interesting. And, 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 and it's different. It's not just all preaching or anything like that. I was like, and I think she'd asked me maybe three or four times to go hear this guy in the past or something. I said, fine, okay, I'll go. And so I went. Showed up in the service, and I'm, I'm sitting kind of where, where Dave Cross is, and, and, you know, the church was pretty wide, and I figured that was pretty far away from everything that was happening up here, so I think I was pretty safe over there, and, uh, and so anyway, he starts singing, and, but the whole time while he's singing, I couldn't understand it, but every time he'd sing a song, I'd cry, and I'm going, what? And I'm feeling that feeling. I'm feeling that feeling, and this time, I, I'm, I, I'm drinking every day of my life. Smoking two packs of cigarettes every day of my life, and I, I, I'm addicted to so many other things, and and I'm I'm doing this, but yet God is trying to work in my life, and I'm standing there, and and He comes off the platform, and all of a sudden He starts, He goes over here to this side, and I'm like, Phew, I'm good there, and all of a sudden He starts like reading people's mail, like the gifts of the Spirit are working, and and I'm going, Oh Jesus, Oh, gee. I got spiritual then, I got real spiritual. I'm like, Oh Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and he started to come on my side of the room. And I'm like, I'm like, I think I need to use the restroom. But then I couldn't go anywhere because everyone's standing up and there's, there's nowhere for me to go. And I'm standing there and he go back over. And I'm like, Phew. and, you know, I wanted to hide under the chair because I'm thinking, what if all of a sudden he tells him everything I did over the last two weeks? And, and my mom's here. I, I don't mind if everyone else knows, just my mom. I just want my mom to know, you know. And, and so and then then finally, towards the end of the service, he. He comes over and, and I'm, I'm three seats in and he comes over to where Dave is and just starts ministering to this young lady that was sitting next to my mom. 
And I'm kind of just looking the other way. If I don't make eye contact, I'm going to be okay. If I don't make eye contact, I'm going to be okay. I'll make it through this. It will be fine, I'm sure. And so I... I, I, I but uh, I didn't realize it, but I had my eyes closed turning that way. The next time I turned back this way, and the guy's like this far away from my face. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, Mom, you're supposed to protect me. I'm like, where's my mother at? And, and he grabs me by the... I know it kind of sounded violent. He grabbed me by the neck, not really violently, but just kind of, just kind of picked up my shirt. And he said this, he says, beware of the calling of God to come clear. He goes, from this day forward, you're a marked man. And then he started singing the, the old song, what a difference you'll make in their lives. I'm crying. He, he, started, he started saying things over me, nothing, nothing. He, 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 the Lord spoke to my heart things that were inside me that no one else knew. And sometimes it happens when a preacher is preaching and, and all of a sudden the preacher can preach and be speaking to exactly you. Amen. And, and, and so he was speaking prophetically over me, but he was reading my mail, not in, not in telling everyone my, my bad stuff, but he was speaking about how he was speaking to the root core of why I went the direction that I went. So here it was. That, that burning bush, so to speak. I feel it in here. I'm crying. I'm bawling because everything he's saying is, is ministering to me. Did my life change after that? Mm-mm. No. I didn't know what to do with it. Didn't know what to do with it. Two years later, 19 years of age. And I know you've heard the story about when I'm Oh, my sister. And every time I decided not to follow what I was feeling in here, my life progressively will go in a worse direction. Now I have got physical issues, needing oxygen inhalers every day for the rest of my life and all sorts of other things going on, a start of a lung disease at 19 years of age. And that's where you've heard the story where I was laying on my sister's couch And I heard a voice say, tell me you love me. And I said, I love you. I love you because the same voice that was speaking to me at eight, nine years old, didn't realize at the time, but was the same voice that was speaking to me when I was 19 years old. Ten years, God was was leading me through these experiences with him because he had a path for my life. And I know whether, if you be honest too, God's been leading you your entire life. He's led you through difficult times, different things. People have done you wrong and things, but yet he's been there the whole time and he's still there today. And he has a path and he has a plan for your life. And, and that, that day I, is when I heard that voice and, and, and I, I kind of brushed it aside. And I was like, this is, this is crazy. I'm talking to myself and all these things. And I heard the voice say, tell me again. Say, tell me you love me, but don't stop. And it went from I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you to I love you, Lord. 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 And the next thing, that those little bit of feelings down on the inside of me that I felt when I was eight when I was 12, when I was 14, when I was 17, when I was 19, all of a sudden that same presence that I was feeling here, all of a sudden came down on me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet and healed my body. Healed my body. Never to be the same again. 
And I was like, ah. but it was the, his fire <laughs> leading me. His fire leading me. I, I think about the fire that leads and, and think about the Apostle Paul for a moment. And here the Apostle Paul, man, you would not have met another man more passionate about Elohim. God, the creator of all things. You would never have met someone more passionate, Rick. Man, he was passionate. So passionate that he would kill Christians. Man, this guy, Paul, saw at the time, had a passion for God. You can never tell, tell me that he didn't have a passion for God. Would your passion cause you to kill other people? But yet he wasn't, he, did, he, did, he had an incorrect understanding of who God was. He had a religious understanding of God or, or what, the, what the leaders over him had told him about God. But it was on the road to Damascus. We're all of a sudden in, in Acts chapter 26. I love that account because he's explaining to, to a king, King, he, king Agrippa, and he, he's explaining this experience to him. And he, and he tells them, he says, he goes, there was a light that flashed, uh, flashed among us. And he said, the brightness was brighter than the sun. What is the sun made of? Fire. The only thing he could make it equivalent to was it was brighter than the sun. He falls down to the ground and he says, who are you, Lord? He goes, you're, you're, why are you kicking against the pricks? I mean, why are, you, why are you coming against me? I'm the answer. Why are you hindering me? I'm the answer. And that's when God declared to him, out of that fire, out of the midst of that fire, out of the midst of the presence, out of the midst of the word that God spoke to him and said that you're going to go and you're going to bring those that are in darkness to light, that you're going to bring healing where there's sickness, that you're going to do all these different things. You see, see, when God shows up, when his fire shows up, whether it's his word or its presence, it is to change you. But it's not just to change you, it's to change you to affect the world around you. Those that are transplanted into his presence, into his house, shall flourish in his courts. Now, the word flourish... In Psalm chapter 19, and I could have go to a lot of these scriptures, but I'm just talking in my heart this morning. The word flourish in Psalms 92, and we, we've read those definitions, and they're all true, and they're all valid. But there was a definition that went off on the inside of me. If you look at the Greek, it actually means to, it's a violent act. And what's the violent act? It means to break forth. And it's not just break forth, but it's break forth and bud. Another definition is to blossom. So, so when he says those that are transplanted, meaning when you get planted into his presence, you're going to flourish. You're going to break forth and bud in his courts. You see, when you allow him to do an inner work in here, I'm telling you, he can do amazing work in you out there. See, when you allow him to be planted in, when you plant yourself in his word and his presence and you allow his flame, his fire is going to cause you to break forth and bud. You see, when God showed up in Moses's life, this burning bush, it wasn't just to say, hey, man, Aaron shows up, man, I saw a burning bush, man. 
And you know what? He didn't go the rest of his life looking for burning bushes. See, a lot of times we people will have an experience with God and they'll go throughout their life looking for that experience instead of what that experience was supposed to produce in their life. What did he tell Moses? He, he tells him, he goes, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. I like the way Annette talks about it because she researched this. And in their time as a shepherd, you would make your own shoes. And it represented your work. It represented your toil. It represented something man-made. But God, when God said, Moses, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. What was God saying? He goes, he goes, I need you just like I created you. See, and taking your shoes off represents that, that, that I'm no longer going to walk where I walked before. I'm no longer going to journey the way I journeyed before. I'm no longer going to live the way I lived before. So this was a defining moment. This was a crossroad in Moses' life. And, and God, at this crossroads, he was saying, you're no longer going to go this same direction. But you know what? Every single time I had an experience, I had a choice. Moses had a choice. But you know what? That choice drove him to set an entire people free. By him being planted in the wilderness and allowing God to reveal himself to him, it set him on course to set millions of people free. To be an example of a Messiah. To be an example of a deliverer. But it all started with God's presence. And you're planted in his house. Thank you, Father. So all the experiences that I was sensing in my life wasn't about a feeling. It was about what I'm doing now. It was about the people that I would reach and the people I would touch. Can't help but think about the disciples, Vic. And they'd follow Jesus. And Jesus tells them, go to Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Meaning you're, 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 you're born again. Now, now let me clear this up. People say, well, when were the disciples filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, in, in John 20, it said Jesus breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, if that's when they got filled with the Holy Ghost, then why did Jesus turn around and tell them, go to Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high? So that lets me know there has to be two experiences. You see, when Jesus breathed on them, that's when they got born again. Because it said after Thomas stuck, they believed. And said once they believed that salvation, he breathed on them. You know what that means? When Jesus, it's the same thing that when God breathed, made Adam out of clay, stood him up and breathed into his nostrils, and it said he became a, a living soul. And it's the same thing when Jesus breathed on the disciples, they became born again. But he told them, go to Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high. But think about this. 500 people saw Jesus. Over, over a 40-day period of time. That's how long it was. From the time that he resurrected to the time that he ascended was 40 days. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells us that in Acts chapter 1. 
We also know through Corinthians, it says that he revealed himself to over 500 people. So my question is, how come only 120 were in the upper room? Because you have a choice of where you're going to be planted. You have a choice where you're going to be planted. I mean, only 25% showed up. And some people have the idea, well, we don't really know how long, how long they had to be in the upper room. Yes, we do. We do, we do know. Because, because he, he, was, he was crucified on this day. He rose on, on uh, in the, in the, it's a 50 day, 50 day period of time. And we know that the day of Pentecost is on the Feast of Weeks. And so we know if he was here 40 days, that, we know, that means we know they had to be in the upper room for 10 days. So, so understand this, where are you planning yourselves? Because see, the disciples, there was 500 of them, but only 120 chose to wait 10 days. Think about it. You see, a lot of times we can come to church Sunday after Sunday, week after week, and, 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 and we, we feel like we're planted in the house of the Lord. And, I, and I'm not saying you're not. I, I'm not trying to give any condemnation to you. But the reality I want you to see is not, it's not just about coming to a building. The disciples, it wasn't just about coming to a, 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 the upper room. It was about going to a place and being empowered by God. All right, teach us. It was about being empowered by God. And that day when the Holy Spirit came in like a rushing mighty wind and it said it was like a flame that sat on all of them. Where are you planting yourself? Where are you planting yourself? Because see, 120 people had to make a different choice than the other 380. Let me go, let's go to John 12 and I'll close with this. John 12. You know, it's... Please, it's, it's not about works that we can do for God. Coming to church is not about works that we do for God, okay? Please understand me, because I don't want to put condemnation on you. But what I want you to see is is really analyzing where is your heart. Because, because coming to church is not about a... It's not about... Let me put it this way. Coming to church is not about convenience. Well, I'll just come here and there. I'll come you know, when, I, when, it, when, it's, when I can. I, I'll, you know, I'll give when I can. I'll, I'll, I'll sow finances when I can. I'll do that. Or I'll get involved and I'll serve when I can. You know, it's because a lot of times with our Christianity, we've, we've kind of boiled down to our convenience. And, and see, we, we want God to take us to greater places and do greater things through our lives. But we have to come to a place where we stop making it about our convenience. You coming here Sunday morning, don't make, if, if it's something that you're just doing because it was convenient for you to be here this week, I'm, I'm glad you're here. But at the same time, you need to make a decision to be here, whether it's convenient or not convenient. Yes, sir. When it comes to giving and faithfulness and serving, you need to, you need to do it whether it feels good or doesn't feel good. It, 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 you need to serve whether you like it or not. Because why? It's part of what I'm... It, it, it's, it's not earning marks with God, but it's about putting yourself in a position for God to use you. Yes. 
I'm not trying to put a yoke on you and make you feel bad if you're not serving or, or this or you can't. That's not the point. But I want to say there had to be something different between the 120 and the 380. I don't know about you, but I want to be the 120. If God's going to move in this earth and he's going to move in Crowley, hey, I wanted him to do it through heritage of faith. If he's going to move through anyone's life, I want him to do it through my life. Man, CJ, if he's going to move in your school, how about him move through you? You see, we, but the thing is, is it will never happen if we just base it on our convenience. Well, I just didn't feel like it today. God doesn't hate you. God's not mad at you. With what, what he's saying, he's, he's I, want you, I want you closer. I want to have your heart. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. John 20, verse 20. I'm sorry, John 12. I'm sorry, verse 20. It says, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was at Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip came and tells Andrew, and again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Wow. They want to see Jesus. <laughs> Here are these Greeks, and they said, even, they said they came and told Andrew and Peter again, meaning this wasn't just the first time. And so what does Jesus say? The hour has come. And then he says, verily, verily, meaning again, again, I say to you, except a corn of wheat fall. Into the ground and die, it abides alone. You see, if I take a kernel of wheat or a kernel of corn, that seed doesn't change or is transformed until it's planted. See, a lot of times we can be coming to church, but are we planted? See, I don't want to come to church and be a seed and all of a sudden go back as the same seed. I want to go throughout my life and, and did my 80, 90, 120 years on this earth and die a seed. You see, the difference between the 380 and the 120 is there were 120 that said, unless a seed die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. It breaks forth. It blossoms. You see, when you choose to sow your life, not because it's a good idea, or sow your life based on because it's, because it's convenient, but you're sowing your life because, God, here's my life. I give it to you. Everything I have. Everything I am. I plant myself. I plant myself. I want to be that kernel of corn. That plant. That kernel of wheat. That plants itself. Because when it dies. It will bring forth much fruit. You see throughout my life. God was working in my life all the time. But you know what? I neglected to plant myself. 
I neglected to say, God, here I am. God, take me, use me, do whatever you want to do in me. It doesn't matter. That's the kind of people God's looking for. He loves all. He doesn't want anyone to perish. This isn't this isn't a, a salvation message for you this morning. This is a message for us to 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 take it a step further in our walk and a step further in our call because there's a world out there that needs what's on the inside of you. Those that are planted, transplanted, the house shall flourish in his courts. Thank you, Father. Whether Paul, Moses, the disciples, they planted their lives. And because of that, Moses set an entire people free. Paul influenced the leaders of his day and even us today. What about the disciples? Those that planted themselves, it says they turned the world upside down. What would happen if you sowed your life? What would happen if the things that you find valuable in this world are no longer valuable to you? What would happen if you just let go of your mistakes, your failures, your regrets and plant yourself? Too often we try to set our own course instead of just planning ourselves and allowing God to set our course. When you plant your life, you won't be disappointed. Close with a story. In 1999, I had that same experience, the same feeling that I had throughout my life. But this time, he spoke into my life and he said, move to Texas. Because you'll be here for the majority of the rest of your life. You know what? Today, the same voice, the same thing that I felt down on the inside of here when I was eight, nine years old, is the same thing that still keep putting me on, that put me on, and is keeping me on the course. Have I got it right 100% of the time? No. Have I detoured? Yes. Have I made mistakes? Yes. But I'm so grateful for his goodness. When I choose to bring myself back to his house, into his word, into his presence, I'm telling you, he just takes right off where he left off and calls me to blossom. And I, 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 I decree this morning that as you choose to plant yourself, into his word and plant yourself into his presence, I declare that you're going to break forth and bud. You're going to break forth and you're going to blossom. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we just thank you for the way that it impacts us, that it empowers us in everyday living. Hallelujah. Everyone stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This is a show of hands. You say, Pastor Justin, I hear what you're saying this morning. And I want to sow my life. Uh, Pastor Justin, I know that voice that you, you're, you're talking about her. I know that feeling and I know that's, that thing has tried to lead me throughout my life, but I haven't always been obedient to its promptings or obedience to the direction setting that God is desiring to take me on. If it's any of those things and you're like, and, and you're also Pastor Justin, I, have, I, I, wanna, I, I, I want my, the, God's plan for my life be fulfilled. Not about you, but 
That's one of my greatest desires. It's for his plan to be fulfilled in my life. If that's you, just slip your hand up and just keep it up. And if you're comfortable, go ahead and put the other hand up and just start worshiping him in your own way. Just just tell him that you desire to yield your life to him. Your calling to him. Your gifts to him. And if your Christianity has been about a, an attitude of convenience. You know, I just think of an old song. I believe it was Matt Redman. And coming back to a heart of worship. You know, just where you are. Just say, Father, I'm coming back to what my life is all about. It's about you. And it's about you fulfilling your plan through my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. We yield our heart over to you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just sense he's healing just past regrets. Even when we get off our get off our course, he is faithful and just. Even David when he missed it and murdered someone. He made the statement. He said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. But he made the statement. He said, create in me a clean heart. Meaning, I, I don't want a just a forgiven heart. I don't just want something that's been refurbished. I want something brand new. And I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit going across this congregation. And those watching by way of internet. That you're creating something brand new. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You're so faithful. We surrender our hearts to you today. We lay our lives down. The things that we've considered valuable today, Father, we lay it down to you. Things that we play given so much attention to, but yet hasn't really brought us fruitfulness. We lay it down to you. Thank you for stirring our hearts this morning, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for continuing throughout this week and throughout this series to stir our hearts into the place into the pathway where we fulfill our purpose. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Give him a shout of praise if you believe that. Give him a shout of praise.
you agree with that and it's your desire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man. Thank you, Father. Those that are planted in his house shall flourish in his courts. Even when we were dead in our sins, has he quickened us together and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. This is Ephesians 2. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. As we leave here, I want you to leave here with the scripture in your heart, because this is a scripture that we're going to continue to unpack. That you are his workmanship. You're his handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus. For good works. You're created to do something amazing. You're created to do something great. But it all starts when we plant ourselves, his word, and his presence. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Amen. You receive that today? Amen. Amen. God is good. Thank you, Lord.